Let's read Psalm 16, verse 3, my key verse for today. Let's look to the Word of God. Simple verse. It says, commit your actions to the Lord. What are we doing here on this goal anointing Sunday? We are committing our goals. We're committing our actions to the Lord. And it is attached with a promise. If we commit our actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Who wants their plans to succeed in 2024? Give me a wave. Come on. That's what we're going to lean into here today. So would you join me? Let's pray. Right now, I just thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that you are closer to us than the air we breathe, that you are here right now. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. I pray over these next few moments we have together that uh, people wouldn't hear my words, Lord. Let them hear your voice here this morning. And Lord, as we all look to the year ahead, Lord, as we bring our goals before you, as we commit our actions to you, Father, I pray that you would help us to uh, become the man and the woman of God you've called us to be in this busy world full of distractions that, Lord, we would keep our eyes set on the vision you've given us in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. 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 Well, I don't know if you know this about me. Uh, I, I see a friend, Jackson. Give me a wave, Jackson. You grew up with me. He will remember this about me. Nice to have you here, by the way, man, visiting from Queensland. Uh, but growing up, I loved sport. I was like, you know, that sporty guy that didn't care about school, didn't care about much in life except sport. And uh, it reminds me of like Darren and Deb's boys, like just, just love the sport, any sport you put in front of them. And uh, I remember for me, started with running. I started as a runner when I was about like six or seven. And like my dream as a seven-year-old was to be an Olympic gold medalist, people. I was going to be the best that ever walked the, the face of the earth. And that dream got shattered. So then my dream became soccer. And I'm like, I'm going to represent Australia, be a captain uh, of our soccer team. And, and I was going to be the best soccer player you could ever imagine. And then that dream was shattered too. I hit my teenage years and I put that focus and attention into rugby union. And I know some of you looking at me like, what were you thinking? And uh, I know, but I, you know, this was pre-puberty. I had a hope back then. And I, I, I remember that what destroyed my dreams in rugby was puberty. And I'm still forgiving my parents that they're not bigger uh, because I was so small. I actually like distinctly remember I had a rival. We were like, we were in the same position, okay? His name was Jesse. I still remember him. And, uh, and he was my rival. We were both for the representative team going for fullback. And unfortunately for me, he hit the sweet puberty at about 10 years old when I hit it at about 21. And I still remember it, like facing him off like eye to eye. And I'm looking at him in the eyes and I see his beard uh, when we were like 14. And I'm like, man, I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to smash you. And he's like, I will destroy you. <laughs> and fair enough, I, I was in hospital that night with a concussion and my rugby dream was shattered. So what do, what do you do when your sporting dreams die? Well, I can tell you I became a PE teacher. And if you don't know this, every PE teacher is just a recovering athlete who didn't make it. That's why they, they don't like kids at all. They just like sports. So that was me. Why did I love sport? Because I was competitive. 
I loved winning. I loved growing. I loved the challenge of, of like facing my opposition and, and trying to beat them at a game. But I look back now as I'm a bit older, and you know something else I loved about sport was the clarity of the goal. When you think about sport, how you win is very clear. When it's running, it's, hey, the first across that line wins. No ifs and buts. Uh, if you're playing soccer, get this round ball into that net. And it's pretty clear, right? Work as a team. In rugby, get a try, kick a goal and be the first, uh, sorry, and get the most points more than your opponent. And I loved how simple the goal was. But I've discovered about life as I've grown older and matured is that life cannot be as simple when we think about the goal, when we think about the vision, when we think about how we define success. And we all go on a journey. And this is throughout life. It changes as, as a teenager and it's in our 70s. We're trying to define what success looks like. And it's not as simple as sport, I find. And the scary thing is this, is we often do it subconsciously. We can be a believer in Jesus, a disciple of Christ, and we can subconsciously have our definition of success so far away from what God wants it to be in our life. We live in a world that worships accomplishment, a world that worships achievements and accumulation and wealth and fame. But I want to encourage us here this morning is that Jesus has a greater goal in mind for us. What we worship will become how we define success. What we worship will become how we define success. To worship the world is to define success by our accomplishments, by our financial position, by how others think of us and, and our achievements that were in my own strength and how good I am. It's about how others see me. But when we worship Jesus, to define success is by our obedience and our faithfulness and how He sees us, not others. And here today, as we come to bring our goals before the Lord, I wanted to encourage us with three uh, key principles in the kingdom of God from the Bible uh, to encourage us as we come to bring our goals to God. So I want to start with this first thought of vision. I want everyone to say that after me. Say vision. Vision. My first principle here today is vision. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 26. And the author of this epistle is a great man of God named Paul. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he's reflecting on his calling. He's reflecting on his apostleship, which is what God had called him to do. And he said this to the church, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one get the Prize. I'm like, oh, he's speaking my language, people. Come on, he's talking about sport. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. And let's just press pause there. When you and I are trying to define success by the worldly things that this world has to offer, the shame of it is we can go our whole life building that up, but it does not last. Last. We can't bring our achievements into heaven. We can't bring our finances into heaven. We can't bring other people's perceptions of us into heaven. But Paul is saying, guys, lift your eyes to an eternal perspective. And he's saying, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. 
What will we bring into heaven? We will bring how we fulfilled the call of God on our life. And we will bring others into heaven with us. And that is what is eternal. Therefore, everyone say therefore. What was Paul saying? I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. So what is he saying here? I know it sounds stupid, but he's saying, guys, where I put my focus and my intention, I'm not like someone just running aimlessly, not knowing where I'm going. Okay, he knows I know where I'm going. He doesn't say I'm, I'm fighting an enemy, but I'm just beating the air. I don't know who I'm, he's going, guys, I know my fight. Paul had a vision. He knew who he was. And this vision Paul had for his life was from God. And I would encourage you here today to get a vision for your life from God. Let's quickly look at this. Paul gets converted, okay? He becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. Where he, and the road of Damascus saw to Paul approximately 38 AD, okay? Uh, this is approximately five years after Jesus died. So Paul never met Jesus in person, but he gets converted about 38 AD. Follow along with me. I want us to now read really quickly three different verses from Paul. And what he's doing here, he's opening the letter uh, and telling the church who it's from. So about approximately 10 years after his conversion, let's read together Galatians 1 verse 1. This letter was written approximately 45 to 48 AD. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or human authority, but by Jesus Christ Himself and by God the Father who raised God from the dead. All right, we're going to go forward another 10 years. Now let's look at Romans 1.1. So we just read 48 AD. This is approximately 57 AD. So about 20 years after his conversion. He says this in Romans 1. This is a letter from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach the good news. Do you notice that not a lot changed in those 10 years? Then I'm going to take us another 10 years into the future. This is approximately 64 to 66 AD, okay, 30 years after he got saved. This is in 2 Timothy 1. Most scholars believe his last letter he wrote. He said, this is a letter from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised us through Christ Jesus. Guys, this literally blows my mind. It's like, imagine Paul for 30 years we, we just read and the, he has the exact same vision of who he is, what God has called him to do, and it's all from God. It did not change over his entire life from the moment he got saved and born again to the moment he died. It did not change at all. And I find this so inspiring. And he is saying in this verse we read that he ran every step with purpose. He was working backwards from the man he saw God had called him to be. And it's almost like I use my imagination here, okay? It's not in the Bible. But I imagine Paul was a very intentional, focused person. And not a lot in his life happened by accident, but by intention. 
I imagine every year over those 30 years, Paul's like, I know my goal and I'm working backwards and toward that goal that Jesus has given me. I imagine Paul in every city he visited, it was with intention. With every church he planted, he knew what he was doing. And his goal was number one. And he says it every time, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul knew my number one calling in life is to serve Jesus. That was who he was called to be. And then he said, I'm an apostle, which was his specific calling. So here today, I want to ask you, friend, what do you see when you close your eyes? When you close your eyes and think about your future, who do you see and what do you see? Do you have a clear picture from God of who He's called you to be in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time, or like we just read in Paul, in 30 years' time? What is the vision you have for your life? And I love this about the Holy Spirit is that uh, visions and dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit. When He speaks, we see pictures of our future. And so I would encourage us as we come to bring our goals this morning, that our goals every year should be working backwards from the vision we see from God for our life. Every single year, we should not run aimlessly, but we should run to win the prize. Every single year, we should not box, you know, the air, but we should box what God's called us to go against. I want to encourage us that perhaps the greatest danger in our life is not sin, but it is busyness. Maybe it's not destruction, but distraction, We get one life, friends. We have one opportunity to fulfill what God has called us to do. We can't afford any year to go to waste. We can't afford to run the race, you know, aimlessly. But God has given us a vision and a calling. And I want to encourage you that this year in 2024, as we set our goals, you and I should be going, all right, this is what God's called me to do and who He's called me to be. I'm going to work towards that this year. It's living with intention to reach a vision. We have two callings in life. You and I, we both do, every believer. We have a calling to be and to do, to become and to do. And who we are called to become is so important. I want to read a quote from a great uh, uh, pastor who's now passed away. His name was Dallas Willard. And he said this, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. That's what you will take into eternity. So who we are becoming is so important in life. When we're thinking about goals, they shouldn't just be what goals, what I'm going to do, but who goals, who am I going to become? How am I becoming more like Jesus? And so here today, as I finalize the thought around vision, is we will find when we seek God, He will give us glimpses into the future. He will give us a glimpse of a vision of the man you see or the woman you see. And I love this because we don't need to make it up. This isn't some self-help book, right? We're not, we're not trying to discover ourselves. We're trying to go to our Creator and say, God, tell me who I am. Show me the man you've called me to be. Show me the woman you've called me to be. And we will find God will just give you these little glimpses of, of the future. He doesn't show us everything. Do you want to know why? 
even though it's frustrating, because you would run away. <laughs> it would be terrifying. If Ebony and I knew we'd be moving to Melbourne and planted church, we would have escaped to Mexico, baby. Like we would have been running as hard as the other direction as we could have because it would have terrified us. But I got, we got pictures. One day, maybe you will plant a church. One day you're gonna serve God in a great and mighty way. And I would encourage you, who you see will be who you become. The devil is out there trying to hijack your self-image. Because get this, it's not that some of us have a vision for our life and some don't. We all have a vision for our life right now. We all see something and it's a self-prophesying uh, future. And the devil's trying to hijack it, say you will amount to nothing. You are, you, know, you are not qualified to do anything great for God. You will be just like your parents. You are stuck. And, and you know, he hijacks it. And unfortunately, we can live our life with that vision and we become that. But God this morning is trying to lift up our eyes and say, son and daughter, let me show you the man I created you to be. Let me show you the woman of God I've created you to be and you will become that. And I would encourage you, let me share a little bit of mine. When I close my eyes, I see a disciplined man of God who is intimate with Jesus Christ. I see a man devoted to prayer, devoted to the Word and devoted to the church. I see a brilliant husband who honours, loves and cherishes his wife. I see an exceptional father who loves his children and raises them in the way of the Lord. I see a good man, a man of honour and integrity, obedient to the Lord and his Christ's life. I see a man full of faith who believes God for the impossible and the supernatural. I see a man full of the Holy Spirit. There is an anointing on him. I see a man who is strong, courageous, unintimidated and bold, overcoming every plan the enemy has against him. I see a man making a difference for God, fulfilling his calling, building the church, preaching the gospel, making disciples and seeing lives transform. Now, I don't say that to, to do my thing, but did you feel faith on that? Yeah. It's because I've done some work. That's the vision I see from God. What's yours? You need to leave today. Maybe more important than writing your goals of losing five kilograms or, you know, doing a bit less Netflix. That's all good. But get a vision from God. That is the goal that matters. Amen? Yeah. So what do you see? Who do you see? And are your goals that we're anointing today working towards that vision? Number two, say submission. This one's not as sexy. All right. Let's go back to Psalm 16.3 where we started. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. This word commit is the Hebrew word golal. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And it literally means to roll away, to remove to entrust and to submit. So what's God asking us here in this psalm? Um, psalm? I believe it's a proverb. Sorry, I've been saying that wrong the whole time. Um, Proverbs 16.3. It says to roll away your actions, to entrust your actions, to submit your actions to the Lord. Lord, I give to you my goals this year. Lord, I give to you my actions this year. Lord, I give it to you. What is your will? And I entrust it to you. Truly committing our decisions and lives to God means taking a step back from what we think we want and asking and contemplating what God wants us to do. As a disciple, as a believer, we have made Jesus the Lord of our life. 
And we don't talk about this a lot, but the truth of what that means is we have given our life over to a king. Our life is not our own anymore, the Word of God says, but I've given it to Christ. What does that mean? It means that more important than what I want. So the question is no longer, what do I want? The question is, Lord, what do you want? And so when it comes time for me to set my goals, my, I'm not perfect at this, but, but my desire more than just what I want is, Lord, what do you want me to focus on this year? Jesus, what's your will for my actions this year, my goals? And we trust Him with the dreams and the desires of our heart. We trust Him that our best life is in His will. Sometimes God blesses what we ask of Him, but God always blesses what He asks of us. And if we would obey Him this year, if we would uh, submit to His will this year, we will find great success and fruit. And I wanted us to look at a quick man in the Bible named Isaac. And uh, he's a, a man in the Old Testament. He was Abraham's son. And I want us to go to Genesis 26, verses 1. And we're going to read a bit of his story. So we're going to start here. A severe famine now struck the land. As it happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abilamak, I can't say that right right now, king of the Philistines lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you to do. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. So just press and pause there. We, we pick up in this story where Isaac, he obviously had a plan to go down to Europe. It made logical sense to get out of the place he was living because there was a famine and it was a severely famine-struck land. And probably, I'm imagining, a lot of the people who lived there were all doing so. They were all fleeing to Egypt. He wanted to go there, but God gave him a clear direction. And I love this moment because it happens in your life and my life where there is a clash of two wills. Lord, I will and I have a plan to do this, but God's saying, actually, no. Isaac, here's my will, and there's a clash that happens. But I want us to read what happens. How did Isaac respond? Just simply, it says in verse 6, so Isaac stayed in Gerar. Isaac in submission obeyed God. I love this. He laid down his plans to obey God's plans. He committed his actions to the Lord, like we're reading in this proverb. But what's even more amazing is what happened next. We just read a bit further down in verse 12 and 13. And here's what happened. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted for the Lord had blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. What's the lesson from this story for you and I? Blessing always follows obedience. To submit means we're willing to let go. If we ask Him and He says no, we will obey and agree. Whenever God asks us to do something, it's always in our best interest. He's a loving Father and we can trust Him. But the soil for your goals and my goals this year to be blessed by God, the soil is obedience. 
The soil is submission. And if you and I will plant our goals in that soil and say, Lord, I submit my year to you and I give you my goals and I focus on what you want me to focus on and we plant it here this morning on the altar as it gets anointed, can I encourage us that the blessing of God will then flow on your life and my life. He will make our plans successful. And I wanna encourage us that no one has ever been second best putting God first. If He ever asks us to do something, His blessing is attached with it. Is there sacrifice? Yes. But is it worth it? Absolutely. So my question for us as we bring our goals is, have I submitted this to God? Is this His goals or my goals? And that's a good question for us to reflect on. And my last thought here is invitation. Everyone say invitation. We've talked about vision. We've talked about submission. I now want to talk about invitation. Do you know, I reflect, uh, since I became a, a believer again, I rededicated my life to God about 11 years ago. So this is my 11th goal anointing kind of season since I became a believer. And if I can tell you one goal I put on there every single time that has been my most challenging one tenfold is from 11 years ago, I said, I want to pray and read my Bible every day. Okay, 11 years ago, 10, 10 years ago. Okay, oh, last year I, I did pretty good, but I want to pray and read my Bible every day. And then nine years ago, guess what? And can I tell you to this year, like, it's amazing for me that that goal has been so hard just to build that habit in my life. It's been a desire since I was 17. I want every single day, I want to get up early. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray to God. And can I tell you, I had a big shift about three to four years ago. And I look back now and that goal I was trying to do in my own strength. It's weird. It's like, this sounds so strange, but it's almost like, I was like, oh God, I don't need your help. I'm going to make my quiet time happen. Like in my, you know, it's like I was trying to will my way, like, you know, I was trying to read Atomic Habits and go, yep, this is my will. I'm going to make this happen. And do you know what happened? Year after year, I would fail. Hey, I was progressing. I was growing and that's good. But about five years ago, I just said, you know what, Lord, I find this, I'm finding this really hard to build this habit. I actually am just going to let go of control. I yield it to you and Holy Spirit, can you help me to be a man who actually is a prayer and who reads the Bible. And have I been perfect since? Absolutely not. But something shifted. It's like it was no longer me trying to push it in my own strength and in my own flesh. But the Holy Spirit partnered with me as I invited Him in. And I can just imagine Him going, oh, finally. I've been asking you for like five years just to like let go of control and trust me. And something shifted in my heart. It wasn't a, it wasn't a habit change. It was a heart change. The Holy Spirit gave me a heart that wanted to seek God, a heart that wanted to be hungry for the Word and everything shifted for me. What was the difference there? I invited Him in to my goal. Can I encourage you? Jesus doesn't want to just be involved in our spiritual lives, but in every part of our life. Sometimes we can think God's only interested in our Sunday. Did he go to church? Did she go to church? Can I tell you, friend, God's interested in our Sunday, our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. God doesn't care just about one area of our life. He cares about every single area of our life. He cares about our spiritual health, 
our, our financial health, our physical health, our soul health, our families, our marriages. God cares about the dreams in your heart, the desires of your heart. Do you know the Bible says that He knows the amount of hairs on your head? Okay, that's a bit harder for some than others, right? People like me and Benny, we, we know it's a bit less for us, but... He knows the number of hairs in our head. The Bible says our life is like a book and every moment has been laid out. God knows us. He cares about us. And I would encourage us that His will is that you and I would prosper in all areas of our life. 3 John 1 verse 2 says this, uh, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. That's in the Bible. I pray you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So does God just care about your goals that are about prayer and reading the Bible? Of course He cares about that. And probably, yes, they're the most important. But God also cares about the goals that you have to better your marriage this year. To, to be a better mum or dad or grandparent this year. He cares about your dreams, about your, your fitness and your health and, and your financial well-being. And, and He cares about that holiday that's been on your heart. God cares about every area of our life. But I want to encourage us. My question is, have we invited Him in? Today is actually called goal anointing. What does anointing mean? You know, the anointing is when the Holy Spirit comes upon us in power and, and to fulfill uh, a task or a, a calling. And I want to encourage us with our goals. We have an opportunity to invite God in to rely on Him. Just like me, not trying to do it all in my own strength, but to do it through the grace and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you the best mum you're going to be, the best dad you're going to be, the best husband or wife or grandparent, the best employee or employer or business person, the best we'll ever be is when we are anointed by the Holy Spirit. When we're not doing it alone, but we're doing it with Him. And I want to look at one last verse as I begin to invite the brand up. It says this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. This is Jesus speaking. And I love this passage of Scripture. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Just pressing pause. I'm going to explain that. But I want just as that last sort as we pray for our goals, take my yoke upon you. This is an invitation from Jesus. He's not saying, I'm going to force my yoke upon you. He's saying, friends, there's an opportunity and an invitation for you to take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. I imagine half of you are going, what the flip is a yoke? <laughs> We're not talking about eggs, people. I actually got a photo to help us. A yoke was very common uh, when Jesus uh, said this in New Testament time. And what a yoke is, is um, a wooden yoke traditionally used to secure a pair of oxen together, enabling them to pull a load working in pairs. And so you'll see me behind me, that black thing is what a yoke is. And I want to encourage you with this. This is uh, an ox by itself can pull a weight between 1,500 and if it's really strong, 3,000 pounds. So about 1,500 to 3,000. A well-trained team of two can pull up to 12,000 pounds. 
Isn't that incredible? So 3,000 plus 3,000 doesn't equal 6,000. When it comes to a yoke, it equals 12,000. What does that mean? When you and I take the yoke of Jesus on, when we accept His invitation, it's almost like we unite ourselves to Him and we're saying, Lord, this year, I, I just pray over every part of my life, over every goal I have, over every dream I have, over my marriage, over my parenting, over my workplace. Lord Jesus, I take Your yoke upon me. Something supernatural happens because it's such good news is Jesus does most of the heavy lifting. And rather than me trying to do it on my own and force my way through life and my own strength and flesh, all of a sudden I enter this supernatural grace and peace and I'm doing it alongside Jesus. And can I encourage us, why is this so powerful? Because I want us to think about who we are yoking ourselves to. Jesus Christ is the highest power and the greatest authority. Do you know, to Jesus, there is nothing impossible. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. And when we unite ourselves with Him, can I tell you, the goals we're about to pray for, whatever is challenging, whatever mountain is between you and that goal happening, Jesus Christ will personally get involved and lower that mountain. Whatever valley is between you and you achieving what God's put on your heart, it's not you. Jesus will go before us and He will lift up that valley. I'm telling you, He will add the super to our natural and there will be no thing too hard for us yoked to Christ. And more than that, the whole journey, you and I have peace, we have joy, we have contentment. I'm no longer exhausting myself trying to do this life alone, but I have such an immense peace that the one I'm doing my life with, the one who has anointed me, he is with me. And not is He with, just with me. He is for me. He's on my side. He has gone before us. Friend, I want you to begin to prepare your goals. I know many of you brought them. If not, there is a piece of paper there. The band can just begin playing lightly. In about a few moments, we're going to do a, an act, okay? Church, we have moments like this where there's a physical act, okay? Is there power just in the physical act, not necessarily, but there is something supernatural happening in the physical act. So what are we going to do? We're going to bring our goals uh, on a, either your phone or written piece of paper or that thing. We're going to have some pastors and key leaders up the front with oil. And what does oil represent? It represents the Spirit of God the anointing. We are going to pray with you. But the power isn't in our prayer. The power is in Jesus. And I want to encourage you with your heart as you bring those goals. Say, Lord, give me vision. I actually saw as people are getting prayed, I saw mantles dropping from heaven and you're going to be, your eyes will be opened. You're going to begin to see the future. I want to encourage you as you bring your goals, you're in your heart submitting them. Lord Jesus, I submit this to you. Not my will, God, but your will be done and I will obey. And number three, an invitation. As you come up the front and get prayer, I'll encourage you in your heart. Say, Lord, I give you every one of these goals and I invite you in. Help me. I tie myself under the yoke of Jesus. I do this life with you and something so powerful is gonna happen. So as you prepare that, why don't you just begin to stand to your feet if that's uh, okay. And I'll just invite our ministry prayer team and the team with the oil, just come down the front.
Well, let me pray right now. Then I'm going to hand over the worship team. Uh, This is open to everyone, whether you're a guest today, whoever would like to, please do. But why don't you just one last time, reach your hands out to God, close your eyes. Precious Holy Spirit, we welcome you on this moment. Lord, we thank you that the way you speak to us is through dreams and through visions. And I'm asking for a prophetic atmosphere here. I'm asking you would open our spiritual eyes to see, to see the person you have called us to become. Lord, that you would open our eyes to see the, the vision you have for our life. Father, we pray as we bring our goals and commit them to you. Lord, that as we submit our heart, we yield to you. You are our Lord and our King. Lord, let your will be done in our life as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray as we commit our actions to the Lord, you will make our plans succeed. As we invite you in, I ask that you would go before each and every single one of us. Lord, that you would anoint our goals. Lord, you would anoint us with the Holy Spirit and with power to do what you've called us to do and be who you've called us to be. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Awesome. Right now, as you feel comfortable, come get your goals prayed for. Thank you.